This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Complete Guide to Everything, a podcast about everything. I am one of your hosts, Tom. And I'm Tim. Tim, how are you doing this week? Tom, I'm feeling a little stressed. How are you? Also stressed. However, uh, not necessarily for the reasons you might think, Tim. Uh, I'm stressed because I got uh, my first parking ticket that I've had in over two and a half years since I since I bought the car that I have. Wow. Yeah. Tom, two things. Uh-huh. Number one, I think it's been more than two and a half years since you got your car. Yeah. Maybe three and a half years. I think you've had that car for almost a decade. <laughs> no, I, it's definitely not been that long. But I am incredibly hazy about how long I have had this car. Yeah. Um, it's at least three or four years. Um, number two, this comes as a shock to me that you're not constantly getting parking tickets because you hate doing things. That are annoying. I do hate... And, like, often you just, like, don't do things if you don't feel like doing them. Well, if I really hated things that were annoying, how would I continue doing this show? Tom, it seems like uh, you don't hate doing this, and you're charmed by me. I didn't say hate. I said annoying. (laughs) Um, uh, No, because... I, uh, that was one of the promises I made to myself when I got this car. Uh, cause like I, I don't, I use this car very infrequently. Yeah. I think it's disgusting that you have a car oh, in New York shut City, up. Tom. We have a robust public transit system. Who cares? Yeah. And it's, uh, full of disease right now. So it's your car. No, my car, actually my well, car. You know where the disease in your car came from. <laughs> My car is actually fairly filthy right now, but it's usually actually, you haven't been in my car that many times. You're, you're frequently not invited. Um, but my car is actually usually pretty Yeah, you're always like, once in a while, you're like, you want to go park in my car? And I know (laughs) what that means, Tom. Uh, Boys like you, you're all the same. Look, my car is actually usually surprisingly clean. Usually it's the cleanest thing I own. Um, but... And mostly just because I don't use it very much. Uh, But Mm -hmm. one of the promises I made myself, knowing that I wouldn't use this car that much, was, all right, if I get this car and I'm going to pay the payments on it, I'm going to pay the insurance on it, I cannot get tickets constantly. Uh, Because last time I had a car in the city, which I did need for uh, commuting purposes, uh, I did get tickets constantly. And uh, no, but this was a multi-year stretch and um, it wasn't that I forgot. It was that I thought I was parked on the other side of the street than I was today. Tom, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And uh, I think it should be noted that um, in New York City, you can't just park a car on the street and then just leave it there till when you <laughs> Indefinitely, need Indefinitely, yeah. Next, we have this thing called alternate side of the street parking, mm-hmm. alternate side um, where every couple days, yeah, they, they come and sweep the streets, which I don't think they actually sweep the streets. Um, they do um, sweep the streets, but it's questionable if it's necessary as often as they do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, if they didn't sweep the streets, eventually, like nature would start to retake the city. But it, mm-hmm. that happens, you know, if you swept the street on Tuesday, nature's not going to have made much progress by Friday. It would be fine. Yeah, um, I do think it's ridiculous that uh, there is free parking on uh, on the streets of New York City. So I think it like I have a car too. Uh-huh. Great, you caught me, Tom. Great, <laughs> you exposed me. Hypocrite. Um, but I think it should suck to have a car in New York. Like it sucks. It sucks all right right now. But yeah, that's because like everybody's home all the time. And you can move the car or whatever. Right. But like. I think it should suck a lot to have a car. Um, I mean, uh, it does suck a lot. I think it's fine. I'm fine with... In normal times, I'm talking about. Like where, yeah. you know, when it, it might be convenient, like a little less convenient to take the subway um, and you just get in the car. Like we should be discouraging that. I, I think a lot of people don't do that. You do. I don't do that. 
You drive everywhere. I don't drive everywhere. I just told yeah, you, you don't that go I, anywhere. Yeah, exactly. I told you that I don't use my car. I the, the I use my car to go to Best Buy, and uh, that's about it. Now that I I take offense to Tom. Mm-hmm. Why? You live closer to uh, to Best Buy. We right. go, look, we have the same Best Buy. We, 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 <laughs> that, that's how close we live to each other. I, I moved to a new neighborhood. I used to have my own Best Buy that was so close to me, Tom, that like <laughs> you wouldn't dream of driving there. Um, but uh, I think you live closer to that Best Buy, yeah. and I still only walk to that Best Buy when I need to go to that absolute hellhole. Yeah, but here's the problem, Tim. What happens when you buy something that you're very excited about to to buy at Best Buy, and then you got to walk all the way home, and it's going to take you know, 15, 20 minutes? And you're, you know and you're too excited to to do that, and then but it's also too far to run all the way home. You know what sucks about um, modern life and uh, these times and normal times and mm-hmm. and every, um, this is actually an issue because like on last time I was at Best Buy, I was buying a speaker for my home. It wasn't like an extravagant. I think this is maybe purchase. the fifth time we've talked about this Best Buy trip on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but but it makes it like, sense because I think this is like certainly one of the biggest things I've done <laughs> in the last six months. It's the go only to a place buy. I go because like I'll I'll buy something. Uh, like this will be my plan for a Saturday. Like yeah. my wife will be like, "Hey, what are you gonna do?" Like, you know what? I'm gonna order a speaker online uh, for in-store pickup. Yeah, and uh, go pick it up. Best Buy will email me when it's ready, and I'll take a fifteen-minute walk there, grab the speaker, and walk home. Um, and I'll only have to be in that hellhole of the store for four minutes. Yeah. Oh. And you and you're if, setting if up. That's you're setting up that seven point one surround sound system. So so far, this is taking you <laughs> two months to go and pick up each each speaker individually. No, I've only bought one speaker this year. Now. <laughs> okay. Um. And uh, a big, I, I, a I big fan of mono recordings, Tim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't That's understand way, uh, why you need all that fanciness with stereo sound. I think it's a gimmick, Tom, and it's not going to last. Is that why um, we released this podcast in mono, Tim? Because of your uh, your affinity towards uh, mono sound? I thought we were always... Uh, releasing it with you in one ear and, and me in the other ear no i feel like we we did that like a long time ago and it was like just... 2008 right yeah. like it was like let's uh <laughs> well, that way people will be oriented uh right and and people talking. did not like it yeah yeah um so i was walking home with this big bag from an electronic store and it's mm-hmm. freaking it was 2020 and these are dark times yeah and i walked through i walked by literally i think three different like mugging food stations pantry no oh. the, the food pantry <laughs> uh-huh. lines right that were like this was at the height of the pandemic and it's like hundreds of people just wait and like me and and you were saying well look times are tough for me too i only have a mono stereo system yeah it's uh it it really made me like a real piece of shit and i don't think i've like bought anything since since then just like walk by people can't uh, it really made me feel bad and it made me feel bad about like our country Mm -hmm. um capitalism uh life in general yeah um why 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 we do this to each other why we live like this mm-hmm. um you're you're talking about and, uh, in-store pickup right now yeah why, I mean, why do we it, live like this yeah why don't they have of a virus why don't they have one hour delivery why do i have to go to the store and pick it up why don't they have drones do it um i recently the government won't let them I I recently screwed up and uh, uh, this just the other day paid my rent from the wrong uh, checking account online. Look at Mr. Fancy, multiple checking accounts. Well, by and I'm a bad guy for (laughs) buying a speaker. I see. Well, by paying for my rent with the wrong checking account, I overdrew that account by a lot of money, and then I had to go 
to the bank. Oh, my rent is a lot of money. Yeah, it is a lot of money. It's more money than I have in a checking account I don't use. Uh, So I had to go to one bank, take out $1,000 in cash, and walk to the other bank. And it was one of those ATMs where I'm like, oh, this is the ATM that can do different denominations. Um, but it didn't. It just spit out uh, $20 bills. It was just like a gigantic wad of $1,000 cash. And then I had to nervously walk down the street to put it in uh, another machine. It's like, well, who's in charge here, me or the machines? Sad, sad state of affairs, Tom. It when, felt like uh, I was working. We get our, machine, our money from machines. Yeah, I feel, and give it to I other machines. Sometimes I feel like I'm the machine. Yeah. Or and, we're just a cog. Yeah. Anyway, so that that was my my troubles for this week, Tim. And also, um, uh, I was thinking about how this this uh, ticket, you know, they put it under the, the windshield wiper. I don't think I told you this, Tim. But um, uh, I was disloyal. Well, not disloyal. It was before they came around, uh, our wiper blade sponsor, Trico, uh, who is not mm-hmm. a current sponsor. Let me uh, say that for the record. Um, but we, are, we remain fans. We remain Trico loyalists. However, uh, before they came along as a sponsor, I had bought two new wiper blades. Tim, wouldn't you know it? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was on the highway doing 80 miles an hour, and one of these wiper blades flew off my car. <laughs> in did you put it on yourself? Did you yeah, install that wiper blade yourself? So you, but I had up. installed this wiper blade like a year ago, and it was fine. And it came off because I was driving so fast, and because it was torrential rain, uh, damn near killed myself. Uh, because all of a sudden I didn't have a wiper blade. I'm flying down the highway. And then I was thinking today, well, I shouldn't have even gone to the store and bought a brand new uh, wiper blade because uh, the, then they wouldn't have had a place to put this ticket. Oh, yeah. It's a loophole. How about whenever you park your car, you remove your wiper blades? How about whenever I move my car, remove my license plates so they can't tell whose car it is? Yeah, I don't think that'll work out well for you, Tom. <laughs> and I'll put a fake, uh, not even fake, a real boot on my wheel, but I have the key of the boot, so then they can't tow it. Hmm. Do you know people that do? Have you ever done that um, or been with somebody who has uh, taken a ticket off another car and put it on their car? Yeah, but at least in New York City, that shit doesn't work. They They look at it to make sure. Yeah, and they have like I think they just walk down the street and scan every car because <laughs> yeah. like, right? What do you mean? Because if they if they've uh, issued a ticket, are you like, thinking of a RoboCop? There's something on the registry. Yeah, I'm thinking of RoboCop. Sorry. Tom, mm-hmm. this week we're talking about a television program. A very popular television program here in the United States called Jeopardy. It's a quiz show, Tom. Get used to it. Well, I I am used to it, Tim. It's been around uh, as long as I've been alive. Uh, And it also, it exists around the world. But I don't think it's anywhere near as popular anywhere else in the world as it is in... I mean, maybe it's also very popular in Canada, but uh, nowhere near... You know, the Turkish version of Jeopardy, I don't think, is as popular in Turkey as the U.S. version is in the U.S. And why do you think that is? Just because I think it's like it's it's a cultural phenomenon in the U.S. Like it's it's not just another quiz show. It is an institution. You know, the same way, like, I'm sure, you know, the Turkish version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is as popular as the U.S. version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, maybe even more popular. But I can't imagine uh, uh, an exported show being as popular as uh, Jeopardy is in the U.S. Yeah. I also, uh, I think it really hits that sweet spot. Like, it was never... It's never been a cool show here. Right. And we're talking about the version that launched in 1984. Not um, not the Art Linklater version or whatever? Art Linklater can, can go suck an egg. Wow. Well, he's long dead, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's sucking eggs in heaven now. <laughs> well, that's sweet of you to say. He's looking down at us. 
uh, from its cloud while sucking on an egg. Yeah, and sucking guess the what? Yolk it, right out of that thing. It's a Cadbury egg. He's very happy. Oh man, he is in hog heaven, <laughs> which is not as good as person heaven, but um, <laughs> but still not bad. Pretty man, good. Man, if I uh, I should start carrying around Cadbury eggs with me all the time, so that if somebody ever tells me to go suck an egg, I could say yeah, gladly, and then whip that out, and then That'll everybody else will go oh. And you'd be like, and that, my friends, is called an epic clapback. Yeah, but I'll but As I'll, you're have, a, on the egg. I'll yeah. have a mouthful of. Uh, fondant in my in my mouth. That's why you call me. Oh, and they'll dribble on my shirt. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, it it was never cool, right? Yeah. It was never like in as much as a game show could be cool. It wasn't like a phenomenon, like uh. Yeah, I don't. The think... late nineties. Who wants to be a millionaire? Or like right, where it got like tremendous ratings, or Survivor, or something like that. Yeah. Or deal or no deal. When was deal or no deal in like the Harry Mandel version? Yeah. You're talking about that was post who wants to be a millionaire. That was maybe early 2000s. Yeah. But with uh, uh, that long ago with um, uh, Meghan Markle, the um, uh, princess or whatever. Not a princess. Something. Dame lady what is her title megan markle yeah um didn't she renounce her her title yeah well i don't know i don't yeah i guess but it sounds like they kind of didn't i don't i don't care that much to to really know but she was a who she was a dealer no dear smart move they were like we're gonna move to los angeles we're gonna renounce our like we're gonna chase responsibilities. Our yeah, yeah. We won't have any responsibilities, but we're gonna keep like most of that money, <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> and also, like when we do go back to England, everybody's still gonna bow and curtsy to us. Yeah, and we can still wear that... silly clothes if we want, and everybody has to not make fun of us. Deal or No Deal mm-hmm. was like not that long ago that it was like a popular show, right? I feel like it was a decent amount of time ago. I think anything <laughs> post nine eleven is just like uh, you know, like recent, right? Right. Well, you constantly refer to things as well. I guess this is what it's like in a post nine eleven world, and a lot of and, times and it's, it's for things that have no bearing. What you know, it'll be like that's how much movie tickets are. Well, I guess that's what life is like in a post nine eleven world. Where's the lie, Tom? Two thousand. It was on NBC from two thousand five to t- two thousand nine. Okay. Um, it's just wild to me. Have you ever? Uh, seen an episode of that like yeah, it's yeah. Just like the whole thing they, they have these ladies mm-hmm. holding all these briefcases uh, beautiful and they're ladies, always just too. like yeah and they're all they're just like catcalling the ladies the whole time they're like uh suitcase number uh briefcase number 19 Ooh, va 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 boom look at this babe hey open up that briefcase toots yeah Go and pinches her butt. They don't go and pinch their butt, Tim. They just pay. Some, him some, they did one they time, pay but they had to edit it out. They pay them nice compliments. I just think it's uh, ah, that seems like that that I could see uh, what's his face Family Feud from the seventies. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, Richard Dawson pulling that crap. <laughs> right, but Howie Mandel, come on, have some class. Well, Richard Dawson, he would just go up and kiss the ladies. Howie Mandel yeah. is a germaphobe. Uh, so he couldn't kiss the lady, so he just had to resort to catcalling. Um, but I feel like that, and everybody that expects show... that of Howie Mandel. He's a man's man. Yeah, the creator of Bobby's World himself, <laughs> and uh, also the creator of putting a latex glove over your head and blowing it up. <laughs> That's the only thing people our age know about <laughs> Howie Mandel. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's like one of those like uh, uh, judges on something, The Voice or America's Got Talent or yeah, I think so. The X Factor. 
Yeah, I did. I like just watch how how bizarre. Go, I'll, I'll lend you my Deal or No Deal DVDs. Okay, um, and just do they watch come how... in a Deal or No Deal replica suitcase? Because that'd be pretty neat. Yeah, no, they don't. Why oh. would they do that? That'd well, be so expensive. I don't. I don't look, Tim. Money's no object when it comes to Deal or No Deal. Think about how much they could cater. Tell that. Hey, tell that to the banker. Think about how much they could cater to the winners of Deal or No Deal by putting out a, an extremely lavish, expensive box set that, of course, they're going to buy because there are episodes in there. Yeah, but what if somebody only left with $1? They can't well, even afford that lavish set. Th- then, you know what, Tim? They can't afford just a regular box set either. They couldn't afford a single season. They couldn't uh, <laughs> afford a single bean to, to feed them and their <laughs> yeah, families you, you on could Christmas buy a night. Bean. It'd be crazy if, uh, like, at at stores they sold individual episodes of television shows, like, on disc. I mean, they used to. I remember my brother mm-hmm. was a big fan of Cheers yeah. when he was, like, nine years old or something. <laughs> uh-huh. And in, like, Oh, like, tapes, yeah. In 1990, you could go in for, like, $25 buy a tape of two episodes of Cheers. Yeah. Yeah, because what um, else would I... you do? Wait until four episodes are on that night. <laughs> I mean, th- these were these were primo episodes. These were choice episodes. Yeah, but like, uh, this is wild. The but but even that, live, it um, would be like primo sick. episodes. I'm saying no. Have every episode available, and I, you have to thumb through 200, you know, individual DVDs at Best Buy to well, find. Why it. would anybody do that? Tom? I don't know if if. Technology went differently. Hmm. Thank God it didn't. It's just something to think about. Because I like streaming and binging, my friend. Yeah. Me, I don't like binging, but I do like streaming. Anyway, Tim Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Um, but it was like uh, trashy enough, right? It's always been Jeopardy. Like, here's the thing. Uh-huh. It's highbrow. In as much as a syndicated game show paired with Wheel of Fortune can be highbrow, right? Yeah, because it's, it's there's high... a ceiling and it hits that ceiling. Yeah, it's highbrow, no but it's still trivia. Yeah, um, and I would like it a lot better if they got rid of all the categories about you know classic literature, right? Um, geography, like bodies of water that um, <laughs> I'm never going to learn. What about before um, and after? Before and after, I love. Yeah, well, before that's after, one, of the most, one of the most popular categories. Anyway, uh, Jeopardy, I think, is maybe my favorite TV show. It's certainly one of the most consistent TV shows out there. Have Tom, you ever watched an episode of Jeopardy and when it was over, go, ooh, that was a real clunker of an episode? No. Yeah. And even uh, Alex Trebek, God rest his soul, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like he would. He was always rooting for um, somebody to, to make a lot of money. And like for like his ideal game would be that like every contestant – uh, got the same amount of of questions right, um, and every question was gotten right, and then somebody bet it all in Final Jeopardy and left with like a hundred thousand dollars. Because when people win only like twelve thousand dollars, he's just yeah. like, oh, "Well, good showing, Deborah. Um, I mean, not really, but hopefully you'll not win more really. Tomorrow. I got paid more during this episode than you did, but you know what." Regis took that. Wow, we lost Regis and we lost Alex Trebek in the same year. Yeah. Tough, wow. tough year for games. And Art shows. Linklater as well. No, Art Linklater, I'm pretty sure, died decades ago. Uh, but uh, Regis pulled that one time, uh, like where he bragged, like somebody was agonizing on who wants to be a millionaire over the answer to the question. Uh-huh. And it was just like, um, you know, like, Regis, I'm not going to, like, uh, like, Regis is like, you got to make a decision. And the contestant mm-hmm. was like, don't pressure me. Like, this is a lot of money. Like, you don't have a say in that. And he was just Did like, he curse at him? Did he no, push him? Regis said, like, 
listen, pal, I'm making more money for being here tonight than you can possibly make here wow. or something. And it was something that was like, oh, what a, that was kind of a jerky thing to say. Yeah. I'm making more money to be here tonight, and I've got four episodes to tape after this one. <laughs> no, I think this was the time when, like, Oh, it's when it like, was like prime a, time. A, a special, like, four-night yeah. special event, yeah. Anyway, back to Jeopardy, Tom. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it your favorite game show? My favorite game show? Um, mm-hmm. Do you like Jeopardy? What's your relationship with Jeopardy? Uh, I do like Jeopardy. Um, Does it I, make you feel dumb? No, it doesn't make me feel dumb. It was definitely like mildly... Does it make ru- you feel like a real asshole? <laughs> it was definitely mildly ruined uh for me as a child because my grandpa whenever i'd watch it with him he would wait until the answer was said or the question rather in in, for anybody that doesn't know the the format of jeopardy is they give you the answer and you have to say what the question is um and whenever a contestant would get the the correct question my grandfather would then say the same thing and count that as him getting that right as well even though the question had already been uh, correctly answered. Why did he think that was okay? And uh, were you playing against him competitively? I wasn't playing against him competitively, but if I would watch it with him, it was just very annoying to watch because somebody would be like, uh, who is William Shakespeare? And Alex Trebek would go, uh, that's correct. And then uh, my grandfather would go, William Shakespeare. And it was like, well, yeah, he, he already. Who did he think he was fooling? Uh, I don't. I me like a nine year old. I don't know. To whose benefit? Why was he saying these words out loud? He would say that, or sometimes he wouldn't go through that trouble. He would just say, "Yeah, I knew that." Well, sometimes I watch. And then I when the Jeopardy. show was over, he would say, "I got most, if not all, of those right." That he would, would say. Would he out like loud. go brag to your grandma and then? No, you, you brag to, like, to me like a nine year old. Uh, Man, seems like you had a real troubled relationship with your grandfather, Tom. I mean, it wasn't trouble, but it was just like, I don't it, it wasn't impressing me. I saw right through what he was doing. Yeah. Rough stuff, Tom. So that was the beginning of my relationship with Jeopardy. Um, I do like Jeopardy. I would say Jeopardy's probably, probably on a short list of TV. I don't make it a point to watch Jeopardy, but it's on a short list of TV shows. If I'm flipping through the channels and it's on, I'll, I'll stop there and watch it. It's a very watchable Mm. show. And, and it's also, you can tune in at any time. Like you don't need to know, you can catch up on the game very quickly. Yeah. But it's fun to get to know people's. uh, Oh, of course. I mean, it's a pretty short show too. So it's not like, you know, it's not like a like a nine inning baseball game where it's like, ah, you only have to watch the the ninth inning. It's like, no, nah, you can. It's twenty two minutes without commercials. You can watch the whole thing. It's a yeah. very fast paced game, deceptively fast paced. Um, I would say not very deceptively fast paced. I think it's uh pretty pretty overtly uh fast paced, Tom. All right. Well, are you are you deceived by the pace? No, I think you it's must just, be a real rube, Tom. No, you must I, be a real hayseed. I just think that there are a lot of game shows that have like countdown timers and stuff and okay, and yeah. put pressure and people don't think of Jeopardy as that kind of thing uh, because there there's not that kind of overt uh, visible pressure. But it's like that sh- Jeopardy moves quicker than I think probably any game show. Yeah. Yeah. When uh, during the beginning of quarantine, mm-hmm. they ran out of new episodes. They were in yeah. the middle of a season, so they showed like the first um, few episodes. They showed like some some like in syndication, uh, some old episodes, uh, memorable episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and th- I think they showed the whole first week, and they did not play down the pacing of it at that time. Oh, like, really? Alex Trebek acted, the host of uh, Jeopardy, Alex Trebek, um, acted like there was a countdown timer, and if they didn't get through every question on the board, like, uh, <laughs> bad things would happen. And he'd be like, Architecture 200, uh, this this famous architect, and like, uh, come on, come on, come on. Breath. 
And they let people buzz in before he had finished oh, reading yeah. the question, and so it's just mayhem. Yeah, um, it was it was very unsettling. So I guess you're right. I guess they still get a lot in, and it's a less frantic pace. Um, Tom, yeah, my favorite show. I watch it every night. Uh, I wait, you? I I thought you were going to apologize to me. Why? Because you said I was wrong, and now I'm right, and I think I'm owed a formal apology. No, I mean, I still think you're a rube and a hayseed um, and a bit of a dimwit. Well, that's not, a very, that's not a very good apology at all. I'm doing my best here, Tom. Take it or leave it. This episode is sponsored by Sakara. This year, turn your resolutions into reality. Whether you're looking to try plant-based eating build an empowered body, boost skin's glow, or simply feel your very best, Sakara makes it easy to create rituals that last. Sakara is a wellness company rooted in the transformative power of plant-based food. Their organic, ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients, and they are designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. Their menu of creative, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners changes weekly so you'll never get bored, and it's delivered fresh anywhere in the United States. Tom, Mm -hmm. along with delicious plant-rich meals, Saqqara also offers daily wellness essentials for optimal nutrition. Saqqara's supplement packs, called The Foundation, and their Metabolism Super Powder deliver support for gut health, energy, immunity, and healthy skin. Uh, and Tom, get this. Sakara has received rave reviews from Vogue, Goop, the New York Times, mm. the Paper of Record, and more. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash guide or enter code guide at checkout. That's sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A, dot com slash guide to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash guide. This episode of The Complete Guide to Everything is brought to you by BetterHelp. Tom, mm-hmm. what interferes with your happiness? All kinds of stuff. Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? Mm-hmm. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist to help answer these questions, Tom. You know about BetterHelp, right? We've yes. talked about them in the past. Mm-hmm. Look, uh, they'll connect you with a licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. You can start communicating with them in under 24 hours. Like yeah. that, Tom. I'm snapping my fingers. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling. Look, you can send a message to your counselor anytime, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. Seems pretty convenient, Tom. Yeah, and you don't don't have to go into an office to do it. Yeah, all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, especially now. Tom, did you hear about what's going on out there? I I have. uh, I don't want to be sitting in a waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. So look, you know, like this is first counselor. You're not vibing with them. Yeah. Try somebody else. No problem. Exactly. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available and their service is available for clients worldwide. There's a broad range of expertise available, which might not be locally available in many areas. You can get it through BetterHelp. Mm-hmm. There's someone not down the street doing it. Yeah. There might not be somebody in 100 miles of you doing this. Right. Guess what? Take it online, buddy. Uh, look, license, uh, BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, Self-esteem, it's, uh, it's a lot of stuff, Tom. Yeah. And anything you share is confidential. It's convenient, it's professional, it's affordable. And uh, you can go to their website and check out the testimonials there. Mm-hmm. People are using this thing, Tom. Yes. I do want to point out, 
Mm -hmm. This is not a crisis line. No. No. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Tom, guess what? This thing, it's so popular. Get get us more counselors. Yeah. Too many people are using this thing. Right. Look, we want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener to The Complete Guide to Everything, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash guide. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash guide. Tom, it's my favorite show. Jeopardy is. Mm-hmm. I watch it every night while I eat dinner like a even, geriatric. Your favorite show even beyond this show? Um, This podcast that we're yes, doing? Yes, this show. Tom, I've never even listened to an episode of this show. Even more than a Broadway show? Even more than Chicago on Broadway? I've never seen Chicago on Broadway. Well, that's why you're saying Jeopardy is your favorite show, because you haven't seen Chicago on Broadway. Have you ever seen Chicago on Broadway? No, I haven't. I aspire to one day. I don't think think uh, they've mounted a production of Chicago in some time. Oh, they'll be back. They probably will. Yeah. Uh, you watch it during what time it airs at six thirty, six, seven. Jeez, Tom. I don't, I don't watch it. I think it's at seven, right? It's at seven p.m. Yeah, seven thirties, Wheel of Fortune, and then prime time. Yeah. Um, you ever been? And that's that's when the real show starts. You ever been in a city where that's reversed, where Wheel of Fortune's first and then Jeopardy? Um, probably. I, I have. I don't it's think it's I... always fuck me up. Yeah. Well, Jeopardy. <laughs> well, I, I will say this, Tom. Uh-huh. Uh, I DVR Jeopardy. Yes. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter what time it's on. Uh, oh, la di da. Yeah. It's pretty, it's the only reason I pay for, uh, like a service, uh, live TV service. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that means a lot to the people waiting in the food pantry line that you walk past that this is the only reason you pay for to record television shows and listen to them on that big speaker you've got. <laughs> it's not even that big, Tom. <laughs> That's even worse. You, oh, so you have the kind of money to afford miniaturization. No, it's just a small, it's a small speaker. Um, I have two criticisms. Uh-huh. Oh, wait. Uh, I was going to tell you about uh, it being paired with Wheel of Fortune. Yes, it's you know, the sister only reason, show. Yeah, the only reason they brought it back, it, it, you know, it was it was an old quiz show that right. Merv Griffin came out. Uh, that was on, like, during the day. Yeah. Um, but they're like, ah, oh, let's bring it back. And, uh, like, uh, or, or they, they developed Wheel of Fortune. And Merv Griffin was like, oh, this show is going to be friggin' great. Let's go out there and sell it. And they're like, oh, we can only sell things. Like, they're only selling syndication spots in, like, hour-long blocks. Mm. And so he's like, oh, we just got to put some bullshit together to pair with that. So it'll be right. like the Wheel of Fortune and something else hour. And then we can sell yeah. it. Um, so they're like, hey, remember that show Jeopardy? And he was like, uh, oh, I get I know what I'll do. I wrote the theme song to Jeopardy. So if I bring Jeopardy back, I'll get paid twice because I'll get paid uh, music royalties as well. Um, yeah. So that's essentially why he brought it back, just to pair with the show that he wanted to bring back and to be able to milk the song. Uh, I didn't a bit I didn't know that particular thing, but I did read that when he sold Merv Griffin Enterprises to Coca-Cola, of all people, by the way, um, that... It shouldn't he, be allowed. <laughs> that he... Uh, Soda can own freaking Jeopardy. <laughs> Um, well, I found this, uh, this is not interesting, but I found this interesting that at the time Coca-Cola also owned Columbia Pictures and that's how Jeopardy became a part of Columbia Television, which was then bought by Sony and is now Sony TV, uh, or Sony Television with, with all these companies. Uh, I had no idea that at one time, uh, Coca-Cola owned a television and movies and movie studios separate don't be the antitrust law so the so a soda company can't uh i mean that's not antitrust i think if a soda company wants to buy an entertainment company that's fine 
If I if Coca Cola like wants to like look, if Coca Cola wants to buy Pepsi, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. But if they want to buy, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I think it should be a law. Stick to soda. <laughs> if you're making soda, that should be your primary. Now you're focus. saying just soda, though. Other industries unaffected, but. I mean, for the most part, just soda. But, like, what's, I don't know. What's I don't so- think Hostess should be able to buy. I think they should stick to snack food, um, and they shouldn't be able well, to buy. I think like, hostesses the- should be able to do whatever job they want. If they want to be a hostess anymore, they can do oh, something else. Host- hostess, snacks, the maker of Twinkies, and uh, Devil Dogs. Yeah, I see. Um Imagine they bought the Bravo Network. All hell would break loose. <laughs> I couldn't care less. <laughs> um, uh, but I did read that uh, when Merv Griffin sold his company to Coca-Cola, he kept the rights to the Jeopardy theme song, which is called Think. Uh, and over time, that made him $100 million in royalties. And he claims that that song took him 30 seconds to write, that it was based on a lullaby he wrote for his son. Tom, remember when, um, who was it, Men at Work? Who did uh, Come From a Land Down Under? Yeah, it's Men at Work. Had to pay all the money to uh, the Kookaburra song uh, people? No, I don't remember that. Just like... A few years ago, I don't, I don't, I don't follow uh, Australian law. Anyway, I think Merv Griffin should have to pay at least seventy-five million dollars of that hundred million dollars to the little teapot from "I'm a Little Teapot." I'm a little teapot. Poor, this is my. No, I don't know. It's a different song. No, tip. Me, me over, over and, and pour, pour me out. out. Oh yeah, you're That's right. That's half the fucking Jeopardy song. <laughs> I know. I know the first part's different, but like, you know, it's it took him thirty seconds to write. It's a thirty second song. Yeah, and uh, a lot of it is. Well, I'm a little. I'm a little teapot. Is the little teapot song a public domain song though? Um, probably not in the freaking 1800s when he wrote it or whatever. Well, what? No. Oh, when when Merv Griffin wrote it. How old is Merv Griffin? It's like if the little teapot guy wrote the little teapot in the 1800s, then that's fine. That's that's public domain. By the way, not to get into books the podcast talk, Tim, but uh, the Great Gatsby is now in the public domain. Could write our own version. The the Great Tomsby. And you can be the my my loyal servant. Tom, are you do you not remember that you made that same joke on Books the Podcast last week? <laughs> last week? Yeah. I'm I'm not aware. All right. <laughs> the great Tomsby. You said you said that exact same thing. Well, look, Tim, I don't think just because Jesus people don't Christ, pay Tom. for our Patreon that they should be excluded from certain very good jokes. Jeez, and you're going off on your grandpa for, for saying the answers after after Alex Trebek Look, said he it. didn't come up with the answers, so I came up with the jokes. I'm allowed to repeat them. Uh, people, have- speak, before we move on from what you were saying, though, I didn't know, and it kind of makes sense, that uh, people who have been on Jeopardy, ineligible to be on Wheel of Fortune and vice versa. Really? Forever? Yeah, forever. One or the other, Why baby. Why is that? Because they're sister productions. I don't think that's like a quiz show law, but it's a Merv Griffin law, I guess. It's just like, nah. Merv's law. Because it doesn't really make sense. Because if you're on one of those shows, you're allowed to be on it again. Um, No, you're not. Wheel I of mean, Forge? for like for like tournaments and stuff, you can come back on uh, Jeopardy. But or if, if you win, on... if you win, you get to come back on. Imagine if you won on Jeopardy and they gave you the choice, like, okay, so tomorrow you can either come back to Jeopardy or try your luck at the Wheel of Fortune. Oh, go for Wheel of Fortune. They give away so much more money on Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. But and it's I, so much easier. Do you do you think you would do well on Jeopardy? No, I think I would I would absolutely like it would take 
uh, just like a very good mix of categories that I knew front to back uh, for, for me to do well on there. I'm very bad at recalling information quickly. That's my thing, especially under any kind of pressure. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, all the all the categories could be right in my wheelhouse, and I still think I would have a piss poor, embarrassing showing on Jeopardy, just because like I cannot recall things if I need to recall them. Yeah, especially if you're next to you know another contestant that is doing well and just doing the like some uh, grown up who knows things. <laughs> But who's just doing the like? Who is William Shakespeare? I'll take uh, potable potent potables for two hundred. Like just yeah. you know, is like a robot that would psych psych me the hell out. I would get psyched out so quickly. Yeah. Um, that and I'm also like, I'm pretty good when I'm sitting eating my freaking spaghetti on the couch <laughs> next to my wife, like making educated guesses and right. being like, eh, yeah. But I'm if you like had to sixty percent sure of this and like. The ones that like I, uh, uh, maybe like halfway sure of like most of those I get right because there's only so many like types of questions they ask, and I would be so afraid to make those educated guess type of answers uh, responses because I would be afraid of looking like an idiot and yeah. like they'd be like this uh, you know like. Uh, South American capital, and I'd like be like, uh, what is London? And then yeah, like, like, oh. everyone in America, it's like, what an asshole. Well, London would be, well, yeah, I guess that would be. I was thinking if you were, you know, if they asked you like South America, and you were like, what is Madrid? Oh yeah, that would and also be like, be... oh, this guy thinks just because they speak the same language. But I guess London would probably London would probably go more viral just because of pure stupidity. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of going viral. Yeah. Um, I I don't really have a desire to be on Jeopardy. I really did. Um, but now that Alex Trebek uh, has passed away, um, it's fine. Now it's just a game show. It's not like it's like less of an institution in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It would just feel different. I would think it would feel like oh, this is like pretend Jeopardy. And I, I think that's probably the case for most game shows when you actually get there and you see how small the set is and everything. Yeah, you're like, this is Dollhouse Jeopardy? I thought I was coming on Real Jeopardy. Yeah, Where's but the then once Alex Trebek walked out, you'd be like, oh, it's Real Jeopardy. Oh, no. And then you'd throw up behind the podium. I, would, I, would, I, don't, I, I don't think I'd be able to grip the buzzer. I think I'd be like shaking too much and like the buzzer would fall out of my hand and my hand would be all sweaty. Well, that's that's the normally the case with uh, the podcast. Sam. every every week we have to edit out multiple times you drop the microphone due to how sweaty your hands are. I'm starstruck when I see you, Tom. (laughs) Um, The average age of. The Jeopardy viewers, sixty-five. Tim, you're bringing that uh, that uh, number Doing down. Doing a lot of work. I mean, not by a lot anymore. Um. <laughs> In two thousand, though, it was seventy. So uh, oh, Jeopardy wow. Jeopardy stands dying off left and right. No, maybe a, a new generation is is flooding the. I mean, Jeopardy is still on every day at every nursing home in America. Like, right. You know, there's still new old people all the time, Tom. <laughs> yeah, but there are more old people now than ever, and the and the the average age of the Jeopardy viewer is still going down. I do think it's probably a. I think old people are getting dumber, and b, and b. Oh yeah, I mean they're like watching QAnon videos instead of Jeopardy. <laughs> now. They're like, yeah. I'm watching Facebook tonight. Like right. Yeah. Uh, and I do think probably some younger people are tuning into Jeopardy. I mean, I know at least like uh, like uh, you don't have cable, right? Or do you? Did I just tell you I pay for uh, you told a, me you a live pay TV for for recording things? I don't know. Maybe you got a guy next door who tapes the shows for you. Tom, I have YouTube TV, oh, which okay. is a bad service that I don't recommend, but it has unlimited DVR, so you can keep all the Jeopardies on there as long as you want. Um, I was gonna say, like, I've, I've in my adult life only had cable like twice for a year each time, 
Um, but I, so like, I'm more, way more likely to watch broadcast TV because I have an antenna. And if I'm, mm-hmm. I'm rarely in the mood to just like turn on TV and like see what's out there. Uh, but if I am, uh, I'll look at broadcast stuff. So maybe that's, uh, maybe that's the case for, uh, other young people like myself. Tom, you're not young, though. I'm very young compared to the average Jeopardy audience member. That's true. That's a feather. That's a, that's a feather <laughs> in your cap. Yeah. Think about this, Tim. If you went on Jeopardy, uh, most audience, most people watching would say, hey, look at that young whippersnapper. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if he'd be interested in dating my granddaughter. Right. But then they'd see my wedding ring. Right. They'd say, ah, oh, oh, well. Um, but then you, but, uh, I completely forgot what I was going to say. It was something awful. You're, you're sure. in a role tonight. No. <laughs> um, t- I'd like to just voice my only two criticisms with the show Jeopardy. Okay. I'll pass them along to the producers. Number one, I think the whole premise of answering in the form of a question is dumb. Well, that's a pretty big criticism, Tim. That's, that's, you know, one of the tenets of the show. I think it's unnecessary, though. Like you, all right. So you do you know how Jeopardy was developed? No, I'm not a um, freaking nerd. It was after the the you know we're doing a show about <laughs> Jeopardy. I thought maybe you you might have like read this. I read some other stuff. Okay, well, I forgot. I, I got more facts to I'm throw I'm not saying at you. that you need to to throw more facts, but you just you don't need to call me a nerd when when I cite one. Um, so Merv Griffin's wife was like, uh-huh. uh, or Merv Griffin was like, uh, I need a game show idea, um, but like the question and answer kind of thing is is kind of played yeah, out. It's done. Uh, and his wife was like, "Why don't you do a switch?" Uh, Julan is her name. Mm-hmm. J U L A N N. That's a weird. It's not Julianne. It's Julan. Yeah. Um. Why not do a switch and give the answers to the contestant and wow, let them this, this come up with the question? This lady sounds like she's more twisted than the Joker. Yeah. All right. Here are the two examples that she gave, and I'm going to see <laughs> if you. Okay. Now this is this is why I think. Um, answering in the form of a question is stupid because like. The way that Jeopardy developed is not this way. All right, so here's the first answer, and you had to give the question. Okay. 5,280. <laughs> oh, Jeff. Oh, uh, what is uh, 6,000 minus 800 and something? 720? No, I don't think so. But also, uh, oh yeah, you did that actually, right? Um, the how much the question, do I win? of course, was how many feet in a mile. Oh. And then the other question, see, or the other answer, see if you can get the question here. Mm-hmm. Seventy-nine wistful vista. Uh, what is the address of Frank Sinatra? close what is the address of fibber and molly mcgee (laughs) are those made-up characters yeah it was i think it was from like the 40s or 50s but like the thing with the the 5280 like there could be it's the cliff clavin thing there could be a million answers to that so like they do have to make all of the answers that there's only one correct question for them in which case like the whole premise like then why are we keeping up this charade of we're giving you the answer like <laughs> right, yeah. they're just asking a question and, and you're phrasing an awkward for, answer. for people that aren't familiar with uh jeopardy and the television show cheers do you want to explain <laughs> and the character cliff clavin what the cliff clavin thing is i of course know what that means because that's what i always think about whenever i'm watching jeopardy Jeopardy is so ingrained in popular culture that it um, appears in so many uh, movies and TV shows. Yes. Um, One of the most famous, aside from White Men Can't Jump, do you remember that? Uh, Oh, yeah. Rosie Perez was on there. Yeah. 
um, uh, the TV show Cheers, um, the the character Cliff Clavin goes, and he's kind of a, a bar know it all, and he's always uh, he's always spouting out, out trivia, che- like he's uh, yeah, which is he's never right about it. Um, <laughs> what do you want? And uh, in Final Jeopardy, the Final Jeopardy clue was Archibald Leach, Bernard Schwartz, and Lucille Lesueur. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing that like. All right, and he didn't know the answer to that. Well, that's the kind of thing, like, either that is specific enough where it's like you know that or you don't. Right, and his response response uh, was, who are three people who have never been in my kitchen? Yeah, which is true. And he argued that that was technically true, and that is technically true. And uh, the the answer, the correct answer, was the real names of Cary Grant, Tony, Tony Curtis, and Joan Crawford. Um, but in Jeopardy in real life, Tom, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have phrased it that way. They would have been like, these three people are better known as, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, they would have like, been more specific. Exactly. And with that specificity, it just breaks the whole concept of like, no, oh, there's the answer and there's only one. Like, just, just ask questions. Like, it's a fast-paced quiz show where they ask you questions and you answer. And I'm also afraid of that if I ever went on Jeopardy. You know how so they have um, six categories in each in each yeah. round? And, and, and point values for each one. And so you say, like, oh, I'll take uh, haunted horses for five <laughs> for six hundred dollars. That is not a, a category that's ever right? been on but Jeopardy. But I would be I would be afraid that I would say um, what is haunted horses for six hundred dollars? Oh, and Alex, I see. Yeah, so, you know, like I'd be so nervous and right. Uh, but answering in the form of a question, Tom. That's another thing. Um, I recently read Alex Trebek's memoir, uh-huh. and he points out all the things that, like, the Jeopardy theme song and the notion of answering things in the form of a question, mm-hmm. are just so pervasive in American culture like pop culture and just like everything like if you're ever taking a a long amount of time to do anything at work at a party or something some idiots can start humming the Jeopardy uh, theme song which is which is crazy it is it's just fucking I'm a little teapot I was also trying to find I couldn't really find the Jeopardy the version of the Jeopardy theme song that they used for the intro that I was thinking of that I'm most familiar with from like the nineties, I guess that was like way more of a banger than the version they use nowadays. It has like laser sounds. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's got, it's got a, it's got a buildup. Yeah. Oh no, what's going on? What is this? Yeah. This now is, entering the studio. Yeah, and and they introduce each person. It's like, oh, it's like uh like uh uh what was that um that that music all the kids liked with the drops. EDM. <laughs> yeah, and no, what am I thinking of? But not a more specific EDM. Oh boy, we're going to Why did you do this? You're making me look like old assholes. <laughs> No. Why would you bring this up? I'll think of it later tonight and be mad. But you know when it would build up to a drop, Skrillex. What what kind of music did Skrillex do? <laughs> this sucks. This sucks. You you ruined us. <laughs> You've exposed us. You freaking asshole. <laughs> um. Uh, dubstep. Jesus Christ. That's what I'm thinking of. There was like dubstep waiting for the drop. Oh boy. They're going to put us in an old person home after this show. I mean, you deserve it. (laughs) I just looked it up. Skrillex died of old age 10 years ago. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Tim, I looked up. I, we're, we're probably almost out of time, right? Yeah, we are. Tom, you were bragging about, uh, 
not knowing, uh, of always having an internal clock and knowing exactly how much time. Well, left. I just, I didn't want to, I know we're almost out of time, but I want, I didn't want to make you feel bad again. Uh, but I did want to bring up a couple of more things. Uh, I'll bring up one, then we'll do the plugs. Um, I read this good housekeeping dumb thing uh, where it said that uh, getting on Jeopardy was more exclusive than having a New York Times bestselling book uh, because they said one in 220 people will write a New York Times bestselling book in their lifetime. No, they won't. That's not true. (laughs) What is that? That that com- com- that comes out to one and a half million people in your lifetime will write a New York Times best-selling book. No, maybe a mm. hundred thousand people. How many? How many books are on the bestseller list? The New York Times bestseller list. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it's a hundred books. I, what if it's like a thousand books? It's not a thousand books. One hundred books is is, I mean there are some, there are multiple categories, but you know that that actual like all bestseller, bestseller fiction, bestseller nonfiction, you know, it overlaps with those other other categories. But there's no way one in two hundred and twenty people, one in two hundred and twenty people is not a best a new york times best-selling author tom let me ask you this uh-huh you're getting mad at good housekeeping for, for yeah printing a, a, a poorly researched fact yeah 23 year old intern probably wrote that well i i blame the relax editors at at good housekeeping and they compare that to uh uh 0.4 percent acceptance rate for jeopardy I don't know. On Jeopardy, even if somebody keeps winning, what is that? Uh, 11 people a week are on Jeopardy? That's pro. I mean, maybe it's comparable to the New York Times bestseller list because, like, people stay on there for a bit. I don't Are you know. Just bitter that you've never made it onto the New York Times bestseller I'm, list. No, I'm just saying and that. And you're always just like, well, that's probably just a real exclusive <laughs> club. I'm just saying that one in 220 people is not correct. I know 220 people, and I don't know anybody that's written a New York Times bestseller. Um, that's not true. Who do I know? I mean, you've met. I mean, you know yeah. far yeah, fewer I, than two hundred twenty people. I meet a lot of people, Tim. I'm out and about, of course. Tom, you, if I gave you a full week, <laughs> you couldn't come back to me with a list of two hundred and twenty people that you know. I could. I definitely could. I think around like eighty, eighty-two, <laughs> you'd be like, ah, I really thought this would be easier. No, I could do it. I could totally do and it. Babies don't count. I I might not be able to do it then. I know a lot of babies. If you like the show, you can find out more at tcgt.com. You can support us by checking out our sponsors. Also check out tcgt.com slash Patreon for our Patreon books of podcasts. This week we are starting, Tim is starting to read Ray Kroc's Grinding It Out. The uh, co-founder of McDonald's. How would you describe him? The founder of McDonald's. Ooh, controversial. Um, uh, his autobiography about how to make McDonald's. Uh, page. <laughs> I forgot about what a complete psychopath that man was. Re- a, reading this book. He's a good man. He gave us all he's hamburgers. Patreon.com slash complete guide. You get that episode and all the past episodes. Also, check out TCGT.com slash merch. We got new merch shirts, sweaters, b- pillows. <laughs> Sweaters? Sweatshirts, for sure. Hoodies and non-hoodies. Coffee mugs, you name it. We got it, unless we don't. Uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash complete guide. Follow me on fa- on Twitter and Instagram at Tom Reynolds. Follow me at your pal, Tim. Sorry, I was browsing the internet. Um, Tim, I want to also bring this up. From my uh investigation 
I could only find one instance of a couple meeting on Jeopardy and getting married. And uh, whereas Survivor, six couples, six people, six pairs of people met and got married. Well, Tom, most contestants on Jeopardy mm-hmm. um, only meet two other contestants. Well, in this case, this couple, they met in the uh, in D.C. at the like regional uh, tests or whatever. Uh, OK. And then they happen to be in the same group uh, and got to know each other in the waiting room. And then they both got called, I think, or got picked for like the fourth or fifth taping. So they got to know each other. Hmm. And today, well, actually, uh, this article was from eight (sighs) years ago, but they're happily married, Tim. I also want to make it clear that I have the six survivor couples. None of them include Colleen Haskell, which you might remember from Rob Schneider's The Animal, as well as Survivor. What about her? She was, as far as I know, the only person from Survivor that was in a Rob Schneider movie. (laughs) Tom, this is the second time in a few weeks that we've done a classic Tim topic episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And I haven't gotten to say, like, uh, even a third of of what I wanted to say. Well, I have more Uh, interesting facts to say. (laughs) You have just been... Do you even know how long the animal is? The movie? I'm done. (laughs) 83 minutes long, Tim. I don't know how they were able to release it that short. This show has become a burden. We'll see you next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.